I was curious this morning to see what the stage would look like. I was here on Friday, and I asked a, a real profound question for me. I said to Judy, I said, Judy, is it proper uh, for us to have all the Christmas decorations out still? And she said, well, why not? Uh, and so I'm not the most observant person. So I came here this morning, and I'm going, I think there's something different. Maybe a few things are missing. But I know the manger is missing, because it was here on Friday, and I don't know if that has got some significance. Hopefully not. But... Uh, uh, at home, I think over Friday and Saturday, our house went through a transformation. Uh, we went from uh, uh, Christmas decorations everywhere uh, to I know last night there was nothing out. Uh, so at some point we put our Christmas decorations away. I was wondering how many, how many of you who did have Christmas decorations up, uh, how many have cleaned everything up? All right, anyone still holding on? All right, 50-50. That's why Alice and I were just talking yesterday about all the preparations that you go through and all the decorating. And, and uh, you spend months, weeks, doing all this preparation and decorating. And, uh, and then it's done. And, and very quickly things uh, are put away. And, and even on Christmas Day, I was talking to... Uh, I don't know if it was Lauren or Natalie, and we were just making the comment that you wait and you wait with eager expectation for Christmas Day to finally get 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 uh, here, uh, and then it's the fastest 24 hours, uh, and, and then it's gone. Uh, and uh, so I don't know. Maybe you uh, you you were uh, looking forward to next Christmas already. And uh, Graham and I were figuring out this morning as we were driving, 355 days. Till next Christmas. So for those of you who can hardly wait, you can start uh, marking the X's off uh, on your calendar. But you know, regardless of, of your thoughts on what I've just talked about, and whether you're young or old, Christmas is often associated with waiting. Looking forward to something. Longing to receive something. Eagerly awaiting. And it's nothing new. Because even from the very beginning of Scripture, there's this sense of waiting. There's this sense of preparation. This, this sense of eager expectation for the arrival of the one who we celebrate his birth uh, on Christmas, uh, on Jesus. And, and one of my favorite passages uh, in Scripture, and one that's often neglected around the Christmas season. And, and if you look at Facebook and you saw what Daryl put on, and thank you, Daryl, for not calling me a wuss on the Facebook last, uh, yesterday. Uh, but it was a passage that I wanted to look at uh, December 22nd, uh, the day that we had the ice storm. And so we never ended up looking at it. But it's actually a passage that's more fitting for after Christmas because it takes place 40 days uh, after Christmas. So I'm excited that we can look at the passage today uh, and, it's, and it's appropriate and it's very relevant. And it's the story about Simeon and Anna. And it's in Luke chapter 2. And Simeon and Anna are two elderly individuals who Luke says are eagerly awaiting the promised Messiah. Waiting with great expectation for the one who was to come. But Sean, I got to be honest. Uh, for Anna and Simeon, waiting for the promised Messiah was kind of like finding yourself sitting in a pitch black tunnel with 
seemingly no end in sight and waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel. Simeon and Anna lived in in a very spiritually dark time. Uh, Most of the people that lived at the time of Simeon and Anna found themselves in the pitch black dark of hopelessness and helplessness uh, and sin. And, And all the pagan gods that were around at the time could do nothing to address the real heart issues of man and woman. They couldn't offer hope for a broken and sinful heart. And even the Jewish community had lost a lot of hope. 400 years had gone by without a prophet's voice. It seemed like God had been silent for 400 years. And as a result, the people of Simeon and Anna's time had little hope. They felt there was no hope for the future. There was nothing that the pagan gods or or the government could offer them to address their, their real needs. And yet a light appeared in the darkness. A light that reassured them that God's promises were true and that they were going to be realized. That the promised Messiah was coming. Simeon and Anna's waiting was over. The baby Jesus had been born. And I heard some of you uh, turning in your, your Bibles. It's, it's in Luke chapter 2. Uh, and if you want to turn to it and just keep your finger there, because that's what we're going to be looking at for the, for the rest of our time. But before we look at the passage, I want to make sure that we understand and we appreciate the relevance and the significance of this passage. Because it is so appropriate Uh, The message is so true for us today because we too live in a spiritually dark time. Most of our world lies in spiritual darkness. And and the world has really no idea how to address the real issues and problems, the heart issues, the real life problems that its members face. And as a result, people are angry, people are resentful, people are lonely, people are depressed. People are distressed. People have no future for the no no hope for the future. And some say, well, what we need is a better government. We need a new government. Some people say what we need is, is the next miracle cure. Others suggest, well, what we need is a is a better economy. But the truth is what the world needs is a savior. They need to embrace the light that is shone into the darkness. And this morning, maybe some of those words that I used to describe the situation that so many people, maybe not inside here this morning, but I I have a feeling that there are. But the reality for so many people outside the walls of this church, distressed, depressed, angry, resentful, frightened, feeling like there's no hope, Maybe those words describe you and my, and my prayer this morning is that the light that shone into the darkness that convinced Simeon and Anna that their waiting was over would be a light that would shine into your darkness and that you would embrace this baby that was born that first Christmas morning. What's so special about that baby that convinced Simeon and Anna that their waiting was over? What's so special about that baby that was born that first Christmas morning 
that can, it can be the light that shines into your darkness. That Jesus can be the light at the end of your dark tunnel. What is it that's so special about that baby Jesus? And it's in our passage this morning that I want to look at that I think we can see some of those things that answer that question. So to, turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to begin uh, at verse 21. In verse 21, it says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. And so Luke begins this story, this narrative, by, by giving us some details that have great significance beyond uh, what I want to spend time uh, looking at this morning with you. But Luke wants you to understand that Jesus was born to devout Jewish parents, and that Joseph and Mary were going to raise Jesus according to the law of Moses. And so after eight days, Jesus is circumcised and he's given his name. And then after 40 days, we read of the purification of Mary. Uh, Despite the fact she was a virgin, she gave birth to a child, which made her ceremonially uh, unclean. And so there were sacrifices that needed to be made. And then there was the dedication of Jesus, the firstborn uh, son uh, in their family. And so we see Joseph and Mary raising Jesus keeping in mind the obligations of the Old Testament law. We see that Jesus is born to a woman under the law to redeem those under the law. And that Jesus, his birth is not a rejection of the Jewish faith, but rather it's a fulfillment of the Jewish faith. And so Luke wants us to understand that. And the the narrative continues. In verse 25, it says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. There's lots of folklore about Simeon, uh, lots of tradition about Simeon, but all we really know about Simeon is what Luke tells us. And so we know that he was righteous, he was devout. Uh, We can assume from other details that he was very old in age. And he's been promised by God that he will see the promised Messiah before he dies. And so the narrative continues. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the customs of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. I want to stop there. It's so easy to read through narrative and, 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 and not let the details grasp you. Imagine what's taking place here. Picture for yourself. Mary and Joseph. Mary, very young. Joseph, a little bit older. Their first baby. They're going into the temple to do what they know that they need to do. And here's this old man. Hanging around the temple. Starting to walk towards them. I don't know what Mary and Joseph must have thought. Uh, Is this this old man a nut? Is he a nuisance? Why, Why is he hanging around the temple? Why is, he, why is he coming towards us? And imagine what must have been going through Simeon's mind. He's been promised that he will see the Messiah before he dies. 
And that day, he's prompted by the Holy Spirit to go into the temple. And I don't know if Simeon was going, okay, like, that's the promised Messiah? That's just a young mother and father with a baby. Are you sure you want me to approach them? And so I don't know how much reluctance there was in the temple at that moment. And I don't know, and for those of you who've had your own children, especially you young parents who've got your first child, what it would be like being in a place where a strange old man comes up and whether he asks or he just takes the child out of your arms, I'm not sure what that would cause to go through your mind. But Simeon obeys the Spirit and he takes the baby Jesus into his arms and he's overwhelmed by the fact that he suddenly is convinced that in his arms he's holding God's anointed one. And Simeon breaks into praise and he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. What's the fuss? What's so special about this baby Jesus? Well, the first thing we see in this text in verse 30 is that in this baby, God's salvation has come. Luke uses some very carefully chosen words. Simeon says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Uh, I'm not a Greek expert, but there's several words uh, that Luke could have used here. The word soter means savior. The word soteria means salvation. But neither of those are the Greek words that are in this verse. What Simeon actually says is that my eyes have seen your soterion which literally means one who is suited to be Savior. Or as I think it says behind me, a perfect fit. Simeon holds the baby Jesus and says, my eyes have seen the one that you have sent who is perfectly suited, who is a perfect fit to be our Savior. And what is it about the baby Jesus? What is it about Jesus that makes him perfectly suited? The perfect fit to be our Savior. Well, the first thing is that he's God. And only God could step up and address the issues and the needs of man and woman. But he's not just God, he's also man. And Philippians 2 tells us that it's only as a man that Jesus could take our place and be our substitute and pay our penalty for sin. And so he's God, but he's also man, but he's also sinless. The Bible tells us that sin taints, it pollutes everything that it touches. And so it's only a person who's without sin who can pay the price for somebody else's sin. And so Jesus is perfectly suited to be our Savior because He's God. And at the same time, He's man. And He's sinless. 
But even with those three characteristics being 100% true, it doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus had to die for you and for me. Bible tells us we didn't do anything to deserve it. The fourth characteristic that perfectly suits Jesus to be our Savior is love. Bible says that it was a demonstration of love that God sent Jesus to die for us while we were yet sinners. And that's the glorious message of Christmas. That Jesus, God, man, sinless, loved us so much that he would come and take our place and pay the price for our sin. So what's so special about this baby? He's a perfect fit. Through him, God's salvation has come. If you go back to verse 29, we see a second uh, answer to that question. What's so special about that baby? He's our assurance of peace. In verse 29, Simeon says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Go in peace. Not an uncommon benediction that you would hear at some churches or the pastor, or the preacher, or the, the chairman uh, may say those final words, go in peace. And, and we know that probably no greater need does man and woman have but peace. And so we say those words, go in peace, and yet the sad reality is that we know that so many people are leaving places such as this, and what they're going to, the reality outside of the walls of the church is anything but peace. And they're going home to their own struggles. They're going home to their own um, loneliness. They're going home to, to their own hopelessness. Especially to around this time, of se- this, the Christmas season, this time of year. When so many people hear week after week in December about peace and peace and peace. And yet they're going home to sometimes anything but peace. They're going home to their own struggles. Christmas, a time when it's so joyful and so happy, but for some people, it's so lonely. A time where we're reminded of our own shortcomings, our own struggles. When we're reminded of those loved ones who aren't here any longer. And there's people in this congregation who this Christmas was the first without some very special loved ones. Even Simeon. He says that he could be dismissed in peace, but Jesus is still a baby. Herod's still on the throne. By the time Jesus emerges 30 years later, Simeon most likely is dead. There's all sorts of opposition and and rejection and denial and persecution that was going to happen to Jesus. We have no clue what Simeon's home life was like. So what does he mean that he can now be dismissed in peace? Well, notice he doesn't say, to peace. The arrival of the Messiah. Embracing Jesus. Is no naive guarantee. Of perpetual happiness and earthly prosperity. There's too many of you here this morning. Who could get up and share your, your Christian pilgrimage. To disprove that naive uh, hope. 
that happiness and prosperity is a guarantee if you embrace Jesus. Now the peace that's talked about here is the assurance that God keeps his word. And that no matter what struggles come our way, our salvation will prevail. And so what's so special about this baby is this. Jesus is still our assurance of peace. That we can know that regardless of the conflict and the struggles and the obstacles that might get thrown in our path through our Christian pilgrimage, God's faithful. Our salvation is secure. Our needs will be met. And Jesus came to this earth to prove that. So what's so special about the baby? Jesus is our assurance of peace. Move down to verse 33, and and something that really caught my attention, again, it's part of the narrative, and you can just easily read right by it. But if you think about it, it's an interesting thing that Luke says. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So Simeon's taken Jesus into his arms. He's broken into praise. And then it says that Mary and Joseph marveled at what Simeon had just said. So you might be going, okay, so, so what? But think about it. Mary's already been visited by an angel. Mary's already had a conversation with Elizabeth. Joseph's already had a conversation with an angel. They've had a visit already from the shepherds who had a visit from angels. What could they possibly hear about their son Jesus that would cause them to stop and to marvel? I guess we could offer our take on what the answer might be, but but let me suggest that this is what they marveled at. They marveled at the fact that another thing that's so special about this baby is that he's God's gift to all. That he isn't just the Savior for the Jewish people. He isn't just the Messiah sent for the people of that time. But Mary and Joseph learned from Simeon that day the scope of their son's ministry. He is the Savior for all who will put their faith. Young and old, rich and poor, people that lived back then, people that live today. What's so special about that baby? He's the Savior given to all. I want to suggest another thing that's special about this baby, and it's kind of in a different light. Several years ago, a childhood friend of mine and her husband were told that the baby that she was carrying... Uh, was going to be born with severe problems, both internal uh, and external. Uh, The medical staff gave them absolutely no hope that their baby would survive. Uh, Encouraged them to abort. But they chose not to heed the advice of the medical staff, and they chose to go full term. And they gave birth to their child to discover that the medical staff were correct. The baby was born with horrible disabilities and, and internal problems. Was only, only going to survive outside of the womb for a few hours. 
the baby was born to die. And I can remember talking to this mother's sister, who's also a friend of mine, about what it was like for her to watch her sister and brother-in-law in the hospital hold this baby that they knew was going to die. And all I can think of is what it's like to hold uh, four children who are a blessing from God and were born with great health. I can't imagine what it must be like to hold your own child knowing that very soon they're going to die. And yet in this passage, we've got Simeon. And he's holding the baby Jesus. And he peers into the future and he gives us this prophecy. He says, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon's holding the baby Jesus and on the one hand he can see glory and hope and promise and victory and then on the other hand he peers into the future and he sees opposition, rejection, denial, violence. This baby was born to die. And what makes this baby born that first Christmas morning, what makes Jesus very special is that he was born to die. He was born to live a life that would eventually end in denial and rejection and suffering and a cross. And I can only imagine what must have been going through Simeon's mind while he's holding the baby Jesus. Simeon, who who was a devout Jew who would have been raised on the scriptures, the scriptures that must have been going through his mind as he realized who it was and what was going to happen to this baby. He was crushed for our transgressions. He was pierced for our iniquities. The punishment that should have been ours was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And imagine what must have been going through the mind of Mary and Joseph. They just marveled at the scope of their son's ministry. Imagine what must have been going through their mind when they realized the destiny of their son's ministry. And yet that's the shocking truth of Christmas. Jesus, the baby, born into a manger was born to die. If you flip to the end of the passage, or near to the end of the passage, verse 36, we're introduced to the second character of the story, Anna. She doesn't get as much uh, coverage. Let me just read those two verses, or three verses. It says, There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phenel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Anna, if Simeon hung around the temple, Anna, she must have had her own quarters 
uh, in the temple. For many, many decades, she had stayed in the temple fasting and praying, waiting for the arrival of the one who would deliver people from their sin. And then she spots Mary and Joseph and Jesus, Jesus and Simeon. And she gives thanks because she is convinced and she realizes that the one who Simeon is holding, this baby Jesus, is the one who once and for all would deal with the problem of sin. You see, what makes this baby special is that it's through this baby we can receive the forgiveness of sin. Jesus is the one who God sent to be the forgiver of sins and to pay that price. And so this morning we've seen some some pretty incredible answers to the question. Maybe we can understand what it is that's so special about that baby. He's the perfect fit. It's through him that God's salvation has come. He's our assurance that we can live in peace. He's God's gift to all. He was born to die. And it's through him we can receive God's forgiveness of sins. But there's one last thing that I want to share that makes this baby Jesus so special, so unique. And it's this. Jesus has become the dividing line for all humanity. And as a result, each one of us has to make a response to him. You see, in the prophecy that Simeon gives us, he realizes that, realizes that everything isn't a rosy picture as far as the life of Jesus and what's going to happen is concerned. There are going to be some who aren't going to treat Jesus very nice. You see, where Jesus shines his light, there's going to be salvation, but there's also going to be disruption. The kingdom of Jesus is going to crash into the kingdoms, the personal kingdoms of individuals. The ways and the demands and the expectations of Jesus are going to contradict the ways and the expectations and the desires of individuals. Jesus is going to be seen as a threat to some, to their own personal comfort. People were going to have to make a decision. They were either for Jesus or they were against Jesus. There's no middle ground. There's no neutral stance. He has become a dividing line. And the situation is no different today. You know, I was thinking with, with Brad and Liz having their baby and, and Andrew and Andrew Hamilton have had their baby recently. Just thinking of what it's like for someone who's not a family member and it's, it's not my child to go and visit someone who's just had a baby and Nicole and Jordan as well. To take that baby and to hold it and to adore it and to appreciate it. 
you get to hand it back. And then you can walk away and you can kind of forget about that child in a way. But you can't do that with Jesus. That's why I mentioned the fact that the manger is missing this morning. We, we can pack up our Christmas decorations and, and we can eagerly await Christmas Day and then it's gone and we don't have to worry about it for about another 330 days and then we have to kind of start thinking about it again. But that's not the case with the person of Jesus. We all have to respond. He has come to be our Savior and our Lord. He has come to be our light, to take us out of spiritual darkness. And we can choose to embrace it and to commit our life to him as Lord. Or we choose to reject it. There's no middle ground. And the question I leave with you this morning is this. What are you waiting for?